Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Isn't our worship team wonderful? God bless. Wasn't that beautiful this morning? So blessed. So blessed. Christmas is always a special time of the year, obviously, as we, we come, we celebrate the Savior, and uh, we just get to respond in thankfulness for God's faithfulness in our lives. It's also a special time for us here at Integrity Church. It was 18 years ago on Christmas Day that uh, while celebrating the birth of the Savior, we birthed Integrity Church, and so we are 18 years old on Christmas, and so God has been faithful. Yeah, God has been so good to us, and uh, it's just been amazing to see uh, the many wonderful people that God has brought into our family to make us uh, who we are, and so, uh, so, so wonderful. I pray uh, that uh, your, your day is full of great love and great joy and, and great presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst uh, of it all. So this morning, we're going to come to the, uh, the final Sunday of Advent. Obviously, we've been uh, focusing our attention each week on the varying uh, themes of Advent. Uh, we come to our last uh, characteristic or theme uh, for Christmas, and that is uh, the theme of joy. Uh, these last number of weeks, we've been looking at Christmas uh, through the lens of, of hope, and uh, we've been looking at the fact that hope, uh, that we have a hope that does not disappoint. Isn't that good? There's nothing greater than knowing that our hope is tied to the person of God, right? That it's not, he's not going to be like that example that we had of somebody disappointing us and letting us down and dropping the ball. But God is faithful, and so our hope is tied to the person of God. It is the hope of a Savior, Right, this hope of a Savior that was, that was promised to mankind as, as our only means of, of regaining that which was lost in the garden. Right? That's what happened. And as a result of, of sin entering into the garden, man was separated from God. And God made a promise. Along with the curse that came upon man because of sin, God made a promise that he would send a Savior, Christ the Lord. What the, 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 the hope that we see pointed, um, that, that points us all throughout the Old Testament to this coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And now we have the, the luxury of hindsight. Interestingly, in the Old Testament, as they considered the hope of the Messiah, that was something that they all looked forward to. But for us, we have the beauty of the rearview mirror where we can look back and see that that which God promised in the first advent is a matter of historical facts. More proof to substantiate the presence and the life of Jesus than the majority of historical figures in the past. People like Aristotle and Plato and, and, and Caesar. More proof that substantiates the life of Christ and so the hope that they had in the Old Testament is an object of, a, of, of assurance that we have, which fuels our hope for the second advent, right? The second coming of Christ. If he fulfilled the first coming, we know for sure he certainly will fulfill that second coming as well. Christmas is about hope realized, right? The fulfillment of what God has promised. Christmas is a lot of things to a lot of people, and it's a wonderful time of, of tradition and family gathering and, and eating and giving and, and, and exchanging of gifts and loves, and, and all those things are wonderful, and I pray that you enjoy every moment of it. 
But we need to be really careful to make sure it doesn't eclipse the true reason for the season. That we come, and that's why you're here today. I get that. You're here because you know that it's about more than the party. It's about the one who came for us, God's Messiah, Jesus Christ. We also saw that Christmas is about peace. Pastor Frank talked about that, that peace is not the absence of trouble, but instead it's the presence of God in the midst of trouble. That he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, that no matter what season of life we find ourselves in, he is there. The Lord, the God, that God is there for us. And we have this peace that surpasses all understanding. As Christians, we know we're, we're not promised immunity from pain and suffering. The scripture talks about the fact that it rains on the just and the unjust, and we recognize that. But one thing that Christians have that the world does not have is the presence of God in the midst of the storm. And I thank God for the peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that, that fills our hearts here, but it's also peace that fills our hearts about a future that we will have. A time where we will be with the Lord forever, where peace will be the reality. As a government is upon his shoulders. And Isaiah declares he is the, the prince of peace. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about bringing us through, looking at Christmas through the lens of love. And we show that, that, love, that, that, we show that love is, is not only what God does, but it's what God is. He's the very essence of love. But we saw that love is a gift from God, right? The greatest gift to all of humanity. We're going to exchange and receive a whole lot of gifts, and I hope you get what you were hoping for. If not, see Pastor Tom, he'll fill in the blanks for you. But you know what? The greatest gift was given to us in Jesus Christ. What man needed the most, God the Father supplied for us in the person of Jesus we saw that, it, that, love, that love is a gift. We saw that love is, is sacrificial. That love is redeeming, right? We saw that love, God's love, is, is immeasurable, right? You might have experienced um, ebbs and flows in love in life, right? And where people will kind of, you know, hold back and, 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 and not extend genuine, caring love. But God's love for you is immeasurable. It's unconditional, we saw that his love is, is everlasting. Isn't that good news? It, 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 doesn't, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't stop at any point because it's the very essence of who he is. We saw that his love is, is supreme. His love is unlike any other love that anybody can ever provide for us. And when we, when we are walking in and basking in the love of God, then and only then are we walking in the fulfillment and the acceptance that God wants us to walk in. We saw that Christmas, the, the coming of the Savior, the, the greatest gift of all is the invitation to each and every one of us to embrace the love of God in Jesus. And so this morning, as we, as we continue along these themes of, of hope and peace and love, we now focus our attention on, on the subject of, of joy, of joy. Let's look again at this moment that Anthony had brought us to in our scripture reading this morning. It's such a, a profound scene that takes place in the fields 
so long ago, a, a passage that we have probably heard so often that we tend to get a little familiar with, and sometimes the familiarity robs us of the significance and that sense of wonder and, 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 and wow of what took place. And so I want, to, I want to encourage you to hear this as if it's the first time you've ever heard it before. Try to place yourself in the fields with the shepherds that night so long ago. Luke writes in chapter 2 in verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. It was a normal evening. It was an ordinary night. It's what they did all the time, right? And in the midst of the ordinary, the extraordinary is about to take place. They're keeping watch over their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Of course they were. They very quickly moved from the ordinary to the extraordinary, and they're seeing things and hearing things that is beyond natural law. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What an incredible salutation. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And if that scene was not extraordinary enough, watch what happens. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. I can almost envision in my, mind, my mind's eye the, the sky just separating and opening up and seeing a peek into what is going on in the heavens as the angelic choir is crying out, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Why? Because it came with the child, with the Christ. Peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Take note of this greeting from the angel. He says, look, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What a message that is preached by the angel that day. I love it. He says, I bring you, in other words, I'm, I'm a messenger for my foreign place, right? This message that the angel is bringing finds its origin in heaven. And he says, look, I'm bringing it to you. Why? Because it is for you. This message that I have been commissioned to bring your way is for you, and it is a message of good news and of great joy. The moment that everybody had been waiting for, the hope of Israel, that silent night was cracked. The cry of a baby born in Bethlehem that day. What a greeting! This is good news of great joy for all people. The joy that followed this news was 
clearly connected to the, to the coming of the Savior. But it was even more than just that. It was connected to the, the fulfillment of a promise. One that God made centuries earlier in the garden when man had fallen in sin. And as a result, separated from God. But God put in motion a plan so that that which took place in the garden, that which was lost in the garden, would be restored in Christ. There's a few reasons I want to highlight this morning that, that this good news brought such great joy. And again, it's all connected to Christ's arrival. That's why we, we, we recognize that it is not just ordinary news. It is good news of great joy. The first thing we see here it is, the, is, is the very simply, it's the promise of the Messiah, the Savior, the promised one, the one who's going to come and, and, and meet man's greatest need. From the moment that God pronounced judgment and a curse on mankind because of sin in the garden, he promised the Messiah who would come and do for us what man can never do for themselves. If man was able to save himself, if man was able to get himself or herself out of their biggest predicament, what predicament? That we are sinners in the, in, in, in the eyes of God, separated from God. If there is any other way that man can change that situation, Jesus would have never had to come. But there was no other way. And so Christ came. The fulfillment of a promise. All throughout the Old Testament, we, we see this promise is expressed. A, a Savior who would, who would come and redeem his people, restore, reconcile that which was lost in the garden. As mentioned a few weeks ago, this promise brought hope and anticipation to the hearts of the Israelites. They longed for the day when the Messiah who would come and, and not only bring them salvation... But their Messiah would come and be among his people. That he would once again walk with his people. They had read the prophets of old. Isaiah declared in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. It's a miraculous birth. And she will bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It means God with us. This one who God promised would not send a, a set of rules. He would not set, send a plan. He would not send somebody on his behalf. He would come in the person of himself. God with us. Just like it was in the garden. God being among his people. John writes in his opening gospel, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking of Jesus, and then he says in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is, 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 is it means he, he tabernacled among us. God's presence in the midst of his people. The word becoming flesh. That's what happened that Christmas day. And he dwelt among us. 
And John writes, we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We see the promise of Messiah coming. And then secondly, we see the, we see the fulfillment of this promise. You're coming into full fruition in the person of Christ. Christmas, again, is the, is the fulfillment of a promise. All that the Old Testament pointed to finds its fulfillment in the coming of a Savior. With precision accuracy all throughout Genesis to Malachi, it points a finger to the one who is going to come. With precision accuracy about what his ministry would be like and where he would be born and how he would minister and being born of a virgin, it spoke of his lineage and his heritage and his priorities and his values all throughout the Old Testament. And then he came. The prophet Micah speaks about the location of this one who would come. He says this in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, look, from ancient of days. Micah is prophesying about one who would not come into existence in a town called Bethlehem, but would make his entrance into Bethlehem that day. You see, Jesus' life didn't begin in Bethlehem. That is the moment in time where Jesus stepped out of eternity and into time. This idea speaks of the eternality of Christ. Christ always was, he always is, and he always will be. And so we see the eternal nature of the Son. Too many people think that Jesus came into existence at that moment. No. He always was. He was from the ancient of days. Before days were even in motion, he was there. And Micah prophesies that this one who would come would be born in a town called Bethlehem, a small small little town 750 years later that event takes place just like that Luke records that in chapter 2 and verse 4 he says Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to, to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem and it is there that Christ was born he was of the house and lineage of David when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it was a moment of, of sheer joy for the, for the entire world. The angels announced the birth of Jesus to the, to the shepherds, declaring that his arrival would bring great joy to all the people. I'm sure the angels didn't even have a full grasp on what they were saying. They couldn't possibly understand redemption. And they got to, got to see in full motion God's plan coming into fruition in the person of Jesus. And his arrival would bring great joy to all the people. Why? Because the birth of Jesus marked the beginning 
of God's plan of redemption. Jesus' birth marked the beginning of the redemptive plan that God put in motion. All of that which the Old Testament pointed to begins to take place now in the birth of the Savior. And now it begins to take, take, go in motion the way God designed for it to be. And so as we look back at the coming of the Savior, it, it brings great joy because it highlights the, the faithfulness of our God who keeps his promises. That's incredibly important for us to get a hold of. And Christmas is about wonderful things and, and, and thank God for the coming of Jesus. But let's not forget that it's a reminder that God keeps his promises. He's faithful. The fulfillment of the promise is, is what makes our joy complete. Here's why joy is complete. Four reasons. So nice to have our kids with us this morning, isn't it? I figured I'd just keep going until they're done. I just, you know, no. And so it's wonderful to have them with us today. A couple of reasons why our joy is complete. Number one, because it's not dependent upon our circumstances, but on the presence of Christ in our hearts. Our joy is complete because it's not dependent upon our circumstances. Aren't you thankful for that? As Pastor Frank talked about a couple weeks ago, when he talked about peace, he said it's not the absence of trouble, but it's the presence of God in the midst of it. Likewise, our joy is not dependent upon an emotion. You know, emotions, emotions are overrated, aren't they? We, can put so, we, we waste so much energy on our emotions. We need to be careful not to confuse joy with happiness. Happiness comes and goes, doesn't it? It's nice when it's there, but it comes and goes. It changes like the stock market. Happiness is a temporary state of emotion, but joy is an eternal state of being. Joy is not moved by emotion. Joy is not touched by circumstances. It anchors itself to the loving faithfulness and character of God who doesn't change. And because of that, we have a joy that does not cease. It is complete. Our joy is made complete, number two, because he promised to never leave us and never forsake us. That's such good news. The sad truth is that for so many, the holidays are among the most depressing time of the year. It brings sad reminders of those who are, who are no longer with us, of traditions that have been lost over time, of relationships that perhaps have been broken. And for some, Christmas is a time of tremendous sadness if we make Christmas founded upon our experiences. It is sad how people can be surrounded by others and still feel very, very alone. Maybe you can identify with that. People, people everywhere, but not a one, a friend. I want to remind you this Christmas that you don't ever have to be alone. Emmanuel, God with us, has come. And he is faithful. And he is true. And his promises, they do not fail. Jesus said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. 
He is the one who sticks closer than a brother. And as you place your faith in Christ, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, remains within you. And you know what? That can give us the greatest sense of joy even in the midst of the hardest of times. God's presence never leaves us. And I pray this morning that as we enter into this Christmas season and, and beyond, as we get into a new year, that you take advantage of the fact that God has allowed you to be in fellowship with him, to be in community with him. That's why Christ came. Our joy is complete. Thirdly, because he has redeemed us from sin through his death. Our joy is complete because he's redeemed us from sin through his death. That through his death and resurrection, Jesus triumphed over sin and death. And he offers us the gift of salvation. As believers, we are no longer bound by the, the chains of sin, but are, but are set free to live a life of, of righteousness. This victory fills our hearts with with immeasurable joy, knowing that our eternal destiny is secured in Christ. I can't imagine what it would be like waking up and not knowing deep in my knower where I would spend eternity if my heart were to stop beating. The reality of it is that every one of us, one out of one people will die, they say. And while we like to tuck that truth in a file in the back of our mind in a folder labeled denial the reality is every one of us are going to stand before him and Christ came so that we can stand before him as a child of God and be received by having our sins forgiven there's no greater joy than the confident awareness of being right and right standing with God. The assurance of knowing that no matter what comes my way, the one who loves me most will be right by my side through it all. And it'll be him who takes me home on that day where I'll spend eternity forever with him. Fourthly, our joy is complete because he promised us eternal life with him forever. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the whole reason why Christ came so that we could spend eternity with him. Jesus said this to his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse two. He said, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You see, if we had to sum up the whole plan of redemption, it can be found in that one sentence verbalized by, by Jesus, that where I am, you may be also. Christmas is the reminder of God putting in motion the plan and the ability for us to be with him forever. That's the heart of your father for you. This life is so short. 
The older you get, the quicker you, the more you realize how short this life really is. They say it's like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the quicker it goes. Right? But for the one who embraces Christ, death is simply stepping out of time and into eternity and spending forever with this Jesus who said, I've come so that where I am, you may be also. David the psalmist declared in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's the good news that we have in Christ. You see, Christmas, the coming of the Savior, is the beginning of God's plan of redemption. And the plan of God is that we're with him forever. Man is a sinner in need of a Savior. We need to understand that. We'll never understand the good news of the gospel unless we understand the bad news of our standing before God the scripture teaches man is a sinner in need of a savior, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's why Christ came. So we not perish, but have everlasting life. But we must believe in him. Not merely just about him. This isn't just about believing in Jesus' existence. The Bible teaches in James that even Satan believes in Jesus. It doesn't do him any good. It's not about believing about Jesus. It's about believing in Jesus. We believe in him by putting our, our full trust in all that he is and in all that he did for us in his coming, in his living in his death and in his, in his resurrection. Born, of, born of, a, of a virgin, he lived a sinless life and he willingly paid the price for my sins by dying on a cross in my place. And as I embrace what he did for me as my only means of salvation the scripture says I'm reconciled back to God I'm, I'm born again into the kingdom of God his resurrection one of the most provable events in all of history demonstrates that Christ's sacrifice for my sins was acceptable to the father this father in whom I sinned against and my disposition changes from being a sinner under his wrath to being a son under his love and in his favor. It's about turning from those sins that Christ died for in repentance and living as if he's living his life through us. That's what it means to be a Christian. There's no greater joy than having the, the life of Christ lived out through us. Paul tells us about that in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 19. He said, I, I've been crucified with Christ. 
It's no longer I who live, but now it's Christ who lives in me. In the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and, and he gave himself for me. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not just about a belief system that is retained in our, in our heads. It's about, it's about new life. It's about new birth. It's about being born again and living as we were designed to live with Christ as center of our lives. And when man walks as he's designed to live, then and only then does he walk in the, the, the purpose and the plan and the fulfillment that God desires for us to walk in. Too many people chasing after so many things to fill that God-shaped hole in their heart that only Christ can fill. Christmas is a reminder that Christ provided a way for us to have our greatest needs met in the person of himself. Christmas brings hope. It brings peace. It brings love. It brings, it brings joy because these are the, the very characteristics that follow the coming and the acceptance of our Savior. This Christmas, in the midst of all the celebration, in the midst of all of the, of the gift-giving, Let's not lose sight of the ultimate and most valuable gift that was given to us from our Father so that we can be with him forever. That's what Christmas is all about. I don't know about you, that doesn't take away any of the joy of the holiday. That just makes it all better. I'm going to feast later in light of that. Right? I'm going to enjoy my family in light of that. But he is the center of it all. Merry Christmas, Integrity Church. Father, thank you for this time. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son. Your son in whom we celebrate his coming today. We pray that our lives would reflect our awareness that it is only because of Jesus that we can come before you. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never asked Christ to forgive you of your sins. What greater way to give God the gift of yourself this morning by asking him to forgive you of your sins and to be your Lord and Savior today. Just take a moment in your hearts before God to talk to the, your Father who loves you. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus, born of a virgin, you died and rose again to pay the price for our sins. Lord, this Christmas we pray that we'd live our lives in light of this great gift. We give you thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's stand this morning and let's conclude our service with some joyful singing to our Savior.